RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, I am so happy that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Looking forward to talking to my guest this week. Uh, his name is Conrad Thompson. You might have heard of him if you listen to a uh, podcast. Uh, he has uh, his fourth StarCast coming up this weekend in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and also available on Fight TV, and there's a great deal on Fight uh, where you could get all of the past StarCast uh, panels uh, for just the price of this one. And, uh, and, and that's an awesome deal. And if, you have not, if you're a fan of wrestling and, and these panels and, and you know, more of the shoot style, you know, get to the bottom of the story uh, type of um, programming, so to speak, I suggest that you uh, take them up on that because I was at the first StarCast. It was great. I saw some of the second one, uh, and I'm sure I'm, I'm looking forward, especially they have a, a segment with uh, the Crockett family, Jim and David Crockett. That's a story that has gone untold pretty much because they disappeared uh, about that time in the wrestling business, uh, the Crockett's and then selling the WCW and the Crockett's still running it for a while. So should be very interesting and looking forward to talking to Conrad also about the podcast. He, he's a star maker, man. And maybe not, they were stars before, but, uh, but uh, put me on a, a Conrad podcast for a few weeks and, uh, and, and let me get a job somewhere. No, I don't want a job somewhere. I'm very happy doing this. Um, as we are recording this, Crown Jewel is uh, is what would you say? The the word is Jerry is is huh? Underway. underway. Thank you. I knew I could count on you. Crown Jewel is underway. Uh, it's probably close to over. Uh, I did not see it. Probably won't. Uh, if I'm being honest, but I did read the match description of Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez, which went on first, I guess other than the Battle Royal pre-show. And apparently uh, they worked an MMA-style match and Cain Velasquez tapped out. Don't get it, guys. There was a lot. Of, I, was, I put something on Twitter and some people thought, oh, it was, it was great for he's only had three matches. They're paying this guy, I'm sure, a ton of money. A ton of money, I'm sure. Uh, especially in this environment of people, of these wrestling wars. Uh a triple a, uh, a wanted him uh ring of honor wanted him uh aw wanted him obviously wwe wanted him i'm not sure what his future was with mixed martial arts but uh the, the lesnar kane thing since kane beat him pretty much beat the hell out of him in uh, a real shoot mma match unless you think that stuff has worked uh but I just think it was a lost opportunity. I understand you make a, a shitload of money. Excuse my French from the from the shows overseas in Saudi Arabia, and I respect that money. You know, money is the name of the game when you're running a business, and for the most part, uh, I just don't understand the finish. That could have been a WrestleMania buildup for six months, and they could have done the same finish if they didn't want to put him over if they thought he was too inexperienced. Uh, some have pointed out that Crown Jewel makes more money than WrestleMania. Got it. Uh, 
but still WrestleMania is the bigger event. So, you know, some people are saying they'll bring it back and have a, uh, have a, a rematch at WrestleMania. I think the genie's out of the bottle on this one, but I've been proven wrong before. And, you know, I'm certainly not a master booker. I just personally don't get it. That's my opinion. Love to hear yours. You could uh, chat with me at David Penzer on Twitter, all one word at David Penzer or at Penzer ringside, the site of the show. Uh, watched all of AEW last night and some of NXT. Haven't finished NXT, but um, some great stuff on 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 all elite wrestling. And some stuff that I am frustrated with. Uh, just want to. I told you that I would give you my my thoughts on this Wednesday Night War, so I want to continue to do so. Um, really enjoying the promo segments. The promo with John Moxley, fantastic. Uh, that was the promo, I think, in some ways, not the exact content, in some ways he was desperate to give in WWE for so long uh, that he had begged them to, to let him do his own promo. I think that was probably what he had in mind, and it was great, and it's a shame that uh, WWE didn't let him do it, and I hope they've learned their lesson, but I don't know. Um, also love the contract signing segment for those of you who don't remember history talking about the Jim Crockett promotion days uh, the whole uh, put your hand in the in the car especially a limousine uh, was a dusty staple uh, it was usually the four horsemen putting whether it was dusty or Oli or Barry Windham's hand and breaking it and uh, that fate happened to Dustin last night and uh, homage to the American dream Dusty Rhodes by his family and uh, I really enjoyed it and really enjoyed the Rock and Roll Express coming out and um, and, and elevating uh, Santino or Santana and Ortiz and I just love the way they're combining nostalgia, not too much nostalgia, but they're combining nostalgia with, with uh, current day wrestling. What I still bothers me is I'm begging them and we talked about this in the pay-per-views and the, the shows leading up to the television. And I just always assumed that once they had TV, they would do more character development. Um, I'm watching the show against NXT and the World Series last night, Game 7. By the way, happy for Davey... Uh, 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 God, what's... Davey Martinez and uh, the Nationals uh, for congratulations on winning the World Series. But... um. But so I'm watching their show. They had a pretty cool opening match. And then one girl comes out I've never heard of. And obviously she was, uh, she was there to, to put the other girl over. And the other, uh, I believe, Japanese girl comes out. I, I, I don't know who that girl is. I've never, I, 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 maybe she was on a pay-per-view. Maybe she wasn't. Uh, a, a package about this girl, one minute, 30 seconds, uh, who she is, what she strives for, why she's coming to AEW, what makes her different, uh, would have made me care whether I hated her or loved her. And I, I just feel that there's a lot of young talent out there uh, in that company that I still don't know anything about. And they're still coming out. Why is why is uh, uh, Orange Cassidy keep his hand in his pockets and, and do flips? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know because I asked on the internet when I when he was signed, and there was all this debate whether it was a one trick pony. But but I don't know if I watched the show. I know he's friends with the best friends, and I know he does uh, ridiculously soft kicks, and that he flies out of the ring with his hands in his pocket. I don't know why, and I don't, and, and if I don't know why, I don't know why I should care other than pop for a spot that at some point nobody's going to pop for anymore. 
So, look, I love AEW. Got a lot of great friends there. Wish them nothing but the best. But I'm just being honest, and and I wouldn't, uh, you know, I think they wouldn't expect anything else. I'm begging them a little bit of character development on some of these young talents and talents we haven't seen before goes a long way. I know they're trying to fill two hours, which doesn't seem, which seems like a lot of time, but it really doesn't when you're trying to tell these stories. And and it seems like they're trying to, they don't want to do squash matches, which I understand. But, um, but, uh, uh, begging them for for character development on some of these young guys and and that's all i'll say about that so without further ado want to welcome this week's guest we're going to talk about starcast four this weekend in baltimore you can also see it on fight tv also about all about his uh podcast and the challenges that he's had with his podcast guest uh being hired by major wrestling promotions and also we'll talk a little bit about Arn, my experiences with Arn, and uh how i felt we talked to kevin sullivan a little bit a couple of weeks ago about uh when hearing Arn say that he instructed his financial guy to go get his gun so he could kill himself which blew both mine and kevin sullivan's mind and and other than Flair at the time, there probably weren't people that were around Arn as much as me and Kevin. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't have better friends, but uh, as far as uh, proximity and uh, being with him, probably was weren't any two people other than Rick. So interested in, in his thoughts on Arn and uh, talking about the history of StarCast and, uh, and this weekend starcast as well so without further ado please welcome starcast founder podcast host extraordinaire the one and only conrad thompson all right ladies and gentlemen my guest this week is hosting starcast four this weekend in baltimore maryland built around the aew full gear pay-per-view that's taking place this Saturday, and StarCast this time is featuring stars of All Elite Wrestling. Plus, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you're paying tribute to the early 90s Jim Crockett Promotions WCW era. Uh, would that be correct? Uh, Conrad Thompson, welcome. Uh, StarCast founder and podcast host extraordinaire. Welcome to City Ringside. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. You're exactly right. I wanted to do something that hadn't been done before, so... I convinced Sting to don the red, white, and blue that he made famous by Great American Bash when he won the world title for the first time. And it's probably his most popular action figure, and, you know, fans just love it. So I wanted to give him something unique, something they couldn't get anywhere else, and, and that checked all the boxes. So we sort of piled on from there, and we got the Great Muda, and we got the Ding Dongs, and we got Van Hammer, and we got RoboCop, and we got Shockmaster, and we got Yeti. But then we got a lot of the greats, too. You know, Ron Simmons and Ricky Steamboat and Arn Anderson and Magnum T.A. and Ron Garvin. But I think the uh, the cherry on top was when we were able to land Jim Crockett in his first personal appearance like this ever. Uh, so we're thrilled that StarCast 4 in Baltimore has uh, an old-school vibe. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that. I want to talk about your podcast a little bit while uh, getting started. But I will say that I was actually the bell ringer for the uh, Ron Simmons match where he became the first world heavy, black world heavyweight champion. So I guess that's my little uh, piece of that history. But, yeah, uh, and we're not only having Ron, but we have the belt. He won that night. And, of course, you remember he won it in Baltimore. In Baltimore, yeah. There's so much great history that happened in Baltimore, and we're going to celebrate all that. We've even got a panel called The Great American Baltimore, where we'll sit down with uh, some of those great legends and Hall of Famers and talk about their memories with Jim Crockett and WCW in Baltimore. And 
revisit some not so good times as well. So gonna be something for everybody, man. The history, the funny stuff, sad stuff, everything in between. It's funny. The reason I remember that is because I got married in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then I we, we me and my wife, new wife, flew to Atlanta for uh, center stage tapings. Then we spent. Uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in um, the Smoky Mountains, and then drove to Baltimore for that pay-per-view where I rang the bell, uh, among other things. General Stooge, before I became the ring announcer. Hey, let's talk about your podcast. Um, I'm I'm sensing a theme here. And, and you know, uh, uh, bear with me for a moment. Bruce Pritchard podcast, major WWE deal. Eric Bischoff podcast. He got one, too, but uh, that was a fleeting deal, but it, he did get one. Tony Schiavone, you bring back around a business he had swore off, and he, AEW, and to a lesser extent, JR. Um, the only question I have left, I guess I have a couple, is could, could we do a podcast so I could get a job? And where does Arden go? Uh, where does he land? Yeah, I don't know. You know, obviously we saw Arn in Chicago at All Out, and uh, it'll be curious to see what's next for him. But I think after continuous on-the-road treatment for Arn Anderson from, what, probably 1984 to now, he's probably enjoying the break. Oh, you know, I'm sure. Sleeping in his own bed for more than two nights a week is probably a great change of pace for him. And I'm sure, you know, sooner rather than later, somebody will come around with a good idea or a good enough offer that he'll say, all right, time to get off the easy chair. But for now, he's having a blast making some weekend warrior appearances, and we've got a live show coming up at WrestleCade at the end of the next month, and we're excited, you know, that uh, the fans are loving Arn every Tuesday. My point is, and I know you're a humble guy, uh, my point is, do you see the, the correlation of you start a podcast with this guy that's out of the business or not currently have a major job in the business, and I guess JR would be to a lesser extent, and then they find themselves in a major position with a major company uh, after the podcast has been out there for uh, a year or so. Do you, do, you, do you take a little bit of pride in that correlation, or do you think it's strictly coincidence because I don't No, it's not. No, it's not coincidence. You know, the, the reality is these guys, you know, specifically Tony and uh, and Bruce, you know, maybe were lacking confidence, you know, in, in their wrestling future. You know, they thought wrestling had left them behind and they had been given a raw deal and, and wrestling didn't love them. So they decided they weren't going to love it back. But it's something that's really hard to get out of your blood. And so, you know, once through working with the podcast with me, they started to have fun in the space again, you know, never became, well, maybe one day. And eventually they proved their worth enough and, and their knowledge and wisdom and enthusiasm for the space enough that they both got the best offers they've ever had in their career. So it's been the most rewarding thing that we've done in the podcast. It's, it's been my favorite part of my fandom is seeing both of those guys back where they belong. You know, Tony live on TNT every week behind the desk and, and Bruce, you know, down the hall from Vince McMahon in his old office. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, it really is. And uh, just to harp on the Tony Schiavone, we had Dave Meltzer on about a month ago. And uh, he was talking about how the Tony Schiavone story is really something. And I I love this story because just because I know Tony for all these years, he was my boss, he's my friend. How proud of you of, of, of Tony Schiavone, who, who, I mean, this is, you can't even write a, a book about about a comeback uh, situation like this, which you helped put into, uh, it, and the wheels in motion by just, uh 
you know, uh, trying to, to get him to pay for his, help him pay for his daughter's wedding. Yeah, you know, it is, like you said, it's a movie script. And, you know, it's probably one of my proudest moments is uh, at that first television taping in Washington, D.C. We're at the Capital One Arena in D.C. And before they go live on TNT or before they even tape Dark, uh, that very first match, they introduced the um, the announcers. And for them to bring out JR and Tony Schiavone through that tunnel and hear that reaction and the fans start chanting, Tony, Tony, Tony. And this is his first time, you know, back on live TV like this and in front of such a big crowd like that. It was just full circle and just filled my heart with happiness for him because I know how much that meant to him and to his family. You know, sure. they saw their dad you know, go through a bit of a depression when it was in his rear view and, you know, life had moved on and he was, he was still paying the bills and keeping the train on the track. But now for him to be back doing what he loves and making more money than ever doing it, it's just, you know, you couldn't describe the impact that's made on, on his life and his family's life. And to know that I was even a small part of that is like the coolest and most rewarding thing that we've done. Yeah, I was proud of him, too, and I had nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, he, I, like I said, you can't write a book uh, with that finish, and uh, and he hasn't missed a beat, so God bless him. He's one of the good ones. Uh, he was great to me back in WCW, and like you said, you know, he kind of just figured that this was over and he wasn't going to harp on wrestling and he was going to do his own thing with the, the minor league Braves and, and Georgia Bulldogs basketball and, and whatever else. And, and now he's back on a major platform doing a great job. So I don't want to talk about the whole podcast about it. I just think it's a great story. And I, as somebody who's a friend of Tony's, I thank you for putting that in motion for sure. No, man, thanks for, for saying that. And, uh, I don't know, man, I, I you could, we couldn't have written it up any better. I'm really excited that it happened the way it did. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, have any of the podcasts changed with these guys getting opportunities at major wrestling companies? Yeah, I'm sure some of our listeners think so, but I don't believe so. You know, Bruce has always been a WWE apologist. He's always sort of towed the company line, and you can go back and listen to our shows where I really try to grill him about the Booker T and Triple H angle or, you know, Scott Hall when he was a part of the NWO reboot and WWE and they duct tape him and poured beer on him. And, you know, we had some real knockdown drag outs where I felt like he just wasn't being honest. He wasn't being independent. He was just sort of towing the company line for a company he didn't work for any longer. They'd have fired him twice, in fact. But that hasn't changed. You know, he's always looked at Vince as, you know, almost like a father figure or certainly a best friend. And and he wanted to have his best friends back. And, and most of those ideas were ideas that maybe if they weren't his idea initially, they became their idea. And so because he was a part of the process, he felt the need to dig his heels in and defend it. Even if he was on the outside and somebody else was in the same circumstance, he would probably have the same questions we did. So I don't think that's changed at all. And I, I know for certain that it hasn't changed anything with Tony Schiavone. Um, nothing changed with Eric Bischoff. You know, I mean, that was we joked that that was 83 days and not 83 weeks. So there probably wasn't enough time for it to change. But. I love that. That's great. That was great. Whoever came up with that deserves a, a, a free t-shirt or something. And the fact that Eric embraced it on social media, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny. Cause when it all happened, you know, I gave him a couple of days and then when we spoke again, a few days after it all happened, uh, and we talked a couple of times along the way, but we had a real conversation and I said, you know, we got two things we could do here. We could, you know, stick our head in the sand and just pretend like it didn't happen. And then you just defend it till the end of time. And if that's what you want to do, I'll dig my heels in with you. I'll do it. 
or we could just lean into it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, when I was in school, I was the fat kid. But what I learned was if I made the first fat joke, it sort of disarmed everybody else from being able to do that. So there couldn't be a situation where you could get the upper hand on me if I could be a little self-deprecating and just have fun with it and have a sense of humor about it. So instead of this being something that we're embarrassed about and we try to run from, why don't we lean into it and make it funny and make some money off the funny? And he said, what do you have in mind? And I pitched him a couple of silly ideas and he didn't hate them. And uh, then by the time I got the graphics together, he said, oh, this one's really funny. I really like that one. Can we tweak this one? And maybe it says this instead. So he became a part of the creative process of making these funny shirts and you know, he's having a good time with it, and we are too. It's amazing how people involved, the Eric Bischoff, who was my boss in, in the 1990s, and I'm not, not saying anything I wouldn't say to his face, and he'd probably admit, uh, probably wouldn't have, got, wouldn't have had that sense of humor. But uh, with, you know, age and, and experience uh, brings you a, a different take on life, and I'm glad that Eric's embraced that, and, uh, and, and you know, because, you know, he was a kind, of, kind of a different cat, uh, albeit, you know, had so much going on on his plate, and he's been on this podcast we've talked about it is it difficult to keep coming up with content or uh, and how do you how does that process work no it's not you know what we're trying to do is is we're not trying to you know, sort of rebook the whole territory every single week we're looking at one topic in long form in great detail in more detail than, than people have looked at a lot of these subjects have since they originally happened you know we're still talking about quarter hour ratings from 1997 on 83 weeks and you know, that's been long gone since that was ever relevant or something people cared about. But to get into the mind of somebody who was really, you know, at the at the ground floor of this creative that people still talk about that still resonates, you know, the, the appetite for that will never go away. You know, like, you know, I always talk about music and movies and just nostalgia in general and how it applies even to wrestling. And a friend of mine in South Carolina said, everybody gets 10 years. I didn't really know what that meant at first, but eventually I came to understand what he meant was you get, you get 10 years of your peak fandom. And that's really what you are a fan of for the rest of your life. And it's probably, you know, 10 years of music that you'll look at most fondly. And it was the music that you heard maybe when you were in high school or college or whatever. And I think my wrestling fandom is the same way, too. I was probably at the absolute height of my fandom from like 89 and 99. And I've obviously been a fan off and on ever since. But if you go back and you look at some of those years, that's when I was at my my most excited about it. And, and I'll never get tired of hearing about that. And But the same thing is true about you know old movies that I like. I saw on YouTube the other day someone randomly posted – the Siskel and Ebert review from the movie Casino, which is one of my favorite movies. That movie's been out for, I don't know, more than 20 years. There's no reason for me to go back and watch that, but I couldn't wait to do it. I wanted to know what the, the two premier film critics thought about that movie when it came out. And I think wrestling fans are a lot like that. They really enjoy the nostalgia of what they grew up on, and, and that, in some way, never wears off. Whereas, you know, the stuff that happened last Monday is probably already forgotten about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I've never seen Casino. I'll have to take a look at that. I could watch. I'm, the, I'm that way with the Jerk, though. Steve Martin and the Jerk. I could watch that movie every week uh, and discover new things. So I, I understand what you're saying. Hey, how much fun is a weary, traveled, uh, annoyed J- Jim Ross? Well, I think it's probably best for business. You know, where I, I wish that we could. 
have him adjust his uh, his schedule to where he would let me just record with him on Thursday, and I could probably sell it if I really pushed. But he wants us to get ahead, and, and we've made a, a habit of trying to record on Mondays. But sometimes, for whatever reason, his schedule and my schedule won't work out, and it just so happened that very recently. Uh, the only time we could record is when he was supposed to be home, and he was supposed to be home at, say, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But that kept pushing. It became 1, and then 2, and then 3, and then 4. And we wound up recording somewhere around, like, 7.30. So by then, he was good and annoyed. And to get him right when he was at the peak of being annoyed uh, and, and finally sitting down to enjoy a cocktail and blow off some steam, he was letting it rip. And, and his rant about Johnny Ace – was just unlike anything I think people have ever heard from a Jim Ross podcast. Oh, I missed so. that. I listened to the beginning. I heard the stuff about. Uh, I heard the stuff about uh, you know Jungle Boy and people that were that were annoyed because he called him uh, uh, Jungle whatever his name is. Uh, sorry, it's escaping me right now. I know well, he, he wrestles under the name Jungle Boy, but Jungle but Jack J- Perry. JR, that's right. Jungle Boy Jack Perry yeah. is is what. You know, Tony really liked his, or not Tony, but but Jr. really liked the idea of saying Jungle Boy Jack or Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and and, he, and Jungle Boy made a statement where he said, you know, if this was anybody else a few years ago, maybe I wouldn't have liked it, but now since I do feel like I made it on my own without leveraging my dad's name, uh, and because he's Jim Ross, you know, just say whatever you want. It's just cool that he says my name. So I think it's cool that Jack has such great respect for the business and and really wanted to make it honest to goodness on his own. And now he has. And, you know, I don't know why if a guy like Jim Ross with all of his experience and success, if he says, hey, I think this can help us, why you wouldn't do that? And I think that's probably the attitude Jack took. So, But if you, if you listen to that same episode, we get a little further in and we talk about how Johnny Ace had taken over as head of talent relations. And, man, just out of the blue – Jim Ross just just chopped him up. I mean, chewed him up, spit him out. It was – I didn't know what to do. I just was quiet and just click record and lay out and let him do his thing. I, I stopped – I turned it off when you guys started talking about the matches of the of the pay-per-view that you were reviewing. I figured that he had calmed down by then. But it was, it was great stuff. I'll have to go back and listen to him chew out Johnny Ace, who – I don't know if you know this, but uh, if Eric had bought WCW, I was going to be Johnny Ace's – personal assistant oh i did not know that yeah. wow so that, it never happened and johnny went and did his wwe thing and pissed off jr obviously but uh but yeah that was the plan i was told uh towards the end i was J- johnny's assistant and johnny was going to be eric's assistant so uh uh that's where it was going if it ever went there As most of you know, I am a huge NFL and fantasy football fan, and I have found a great way to watch every single NFL game this season, no matter where you or I live or what team you root for. Do you want to be able to watch every single NFL game as well? Because this season, there's a proven way to watch every football game live for a fraction of the price of DirecTV or NFL Sunday ticket. I'm talking about ExpressVPN, and here's how it works. Use ExpressVPN to buy the International Game Pass. ExpressVPN lets you spoof your location. You could be from anywhere you want. So you could buy the International Game Pass for just $125 and stream all the games. That's right, for just $125. And, hey, Jerry, where would you be from if you could be from anywhere you want? Hmm. 
I'm going to let you think about that. I live in Tampa, as you know, but root for my fantasy football team so I get to stream all of my players' games and watch all the performances on ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN comes with apps for computers, mobile, and digital media players like Fire TV+. Plus. Use ExpressVPN every time you go online to keep all of your network data encrypted, secure, and safe from hackers. You can watch the NFL and keep your data safe with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is the fastest VPN I've tried. Costs less than $7 a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can't beat that. Enjoy every game of the 2019 NFL season with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash ringside. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, as in rock and roll express, express, V as in Victor, P as in Penzer, N as in Nancy.com slash ringside for three months free with a one-year package. Is it rock and roll? Is it midnight? I don't know, but visit expressvpn.com slash ringside to learn more and get every single NFL game for a fraction of the cost of DirecTV or the NFL Sunday ticket with ExpressVPN. Hey, we, me and you texted a little bit about getting Arn on a podcast. I asked you how much fun a weary travel JR is. How much fun, and I know I know the answer to this question because I rode with him uh, for, so, for so many years and spent so much time with him. How much fun is, is Arn Anderson? And, uh, if you could pick, like, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but he's just in another category, I think, than anybody else uh, that uh, tells stories in this business. No, I agree. So much so that we've decided we're going to switch the format up a little bit. Instead of it being a new topic every single week, I'm going to lean into his strength, which is him just off the cuff. Uh, and I, you know, I, I refer to that as freestyling. But we're not going to keep him, you know, singularly focused. We're going to let him just talk about a little bit about a lot of things. So every other week, we're going to do an ask Arn anything. So we did uh, Flair's return to Nitro this past week. This coming week, we'll do ask Arn anything. We'll do a regular topic the following week, and then back to ask Arn anything. Rent, slather, repeat. Because him off the cuff is just hysterical, and yeah. and his wit and sense of timing and how dry he is—it's just—it's phenomenal. Oh, it's unlike anything I've seen, and that's taking nothing away from other great storytellers, many of of whom you have in your stable of uh, of podcasts. But yeah, I knew when when you signed him, uh, I knew it was going to be something special because he's just it's just a little bit different about the delivery, like you said, and the sense of humor. I didn't know you guys did the. Uh, the flare returns to night show. I'll have to go listen to that. He actually, the promo he did where he knocked on his head and said, Oh, I have Alzheimer's. I almost forgot. We, he actually practiced that on me. I was the sounding board driving from town to town in the week leading up to that promo. So I definitely That's have awesome. to, to check that out. But, uh, one thing that I was, I, I, I listened to the, uh, the, the story about, uh, Arn, uh, and his surgery and, 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 you know, me and Arn aren't buddies now because that's just the way the wrestling business is. You know, I, we talk or text or whatever. But there was, a, you know, for about five or six years, we were, you know, we were running buddies. That was it, we, you know. And uh, so I got to know him very well. Um, I was shocked when I heard him tell the story about asking his financial guy uh, to make sure his family was set 
up financially and go get his gun so he could kill himself. I was traveling with him during that period. I know that he was going through a lot of stress. I had no idea that he had that kind of stuff going on. I had Kevin Sullivan on right around that time, and I asked Kevin uh, on the podcast if he had any idea, and Kevin said he had no idea. Uh, how, How surprised were you about that? No, you know, it's rare that anybody ever wants to sort of open themselves up and, and reveal their true thoughts so that they had thoughts like that. You know, people look at that sometimes in that business, that industry is a sign of weakness. And, you know, they just don't really want to share that side of themselves. So it was pretty remarkable that he was willing to, to be open and honest like that. So, yeah, I'm with you. Caught me off guard. Didn't know what to expect, but uh, it made for some riveting audio. That's for sure. I was flo- I was floored. I got to tell you, and I was with you know. I'm not trying to sound like a big shot, but I, I was driving with him uh, before and after the surgery, and uh, and and I was uh, and I that's why I asked Kevin about it, and you know because Kevin and him were tight, and he had no idea either. So I, uh, I'm, next time I see Arn, definitely want to talk to him about that and get more of the the whole story, and and apologize to him for not realizing how much pain he was in both physically and mentally uh will you guys be addressing i'm assuming the fallout he had uh with rick and how uh how of a kind of a spot does that put you in as far as for obvious reasons well i mean i hadn't come up yet um you know i know they're they're on speaking terms and they're okay today but i'm sure all friendships have had their sort of ups and downs and, and i'm sure we'll get there eventually but what we've focused on so far has been stuff that happened on camera and, um, you know, the major points when they were both active wrestling, not necessarily, you know, once they had, you know, sort of put their trunks up and, and hung up their boots. So I'm sure we'll get there eventually, but, but as of yet, there's been nothing really controversial coming out of Arn Anderson's mouth. He's revealed himself to be uh, the most respectful, polite wrestler uh, that I think has probably ever had a podcast with the possible exception of J.J. Dillon. Oh, yeah. He'll never go personal. It'll never turn personal at, at all. He's he's too much of a pro to do that for sure. But it's a story that, uh, you know, when people people hear that or know that I rode with Arn uh, and, and Rick for a while, too, uh, the, the one question they have is, you know, what was uh, what was uh, what happened? And I don't even know the whole story, quite frankly. So if you ever talk about it, I'll be listening because it's none of my business. And it happened way after WCW was out of business um so let's talk about starcast this coming weekend uh in baltimore i was at the first starcast uh and you said never again uh speaking of music that uh that, of songs that, that you grew up on at what point did you decide to quote unquote keep on rolling well it wasn't ever an intentional thing you know i, I thought starcast was, was going to be uh you know the one and done Woodstock of wrestling as far as a wrestling convention because everybody knows the biggest wrestling convention every year is WrestleCon and it's the biggest because it's attached to WrestleMania weekend and it piggybacks WrestleMania and you've got more fly-in that weekend than than any other event, probably most other events combined. So the idea that you you know can really pull from that crowd makes it a no-brainer and the biggest. But I didn't think that there would ever be a, you know, a promotion or an AEW born out of all them. I think most folks assume, well, you know, Kenny's going to go sign with WWE and the Young Bucks are going to be on SmackDown working with New Day and, you know, Cody's going to go back and do something with Hunter. And it just felt like everybody's going to sign. Uh, they had all this momentum and I just couldn't imagine that 
you know, one of my friends was going to enter the marketplace and put his money where his mouth is, and AEW would be a real thing. But here it is. And I never thought that I'd have that opportunity again. But once it became apparent that, no, this is a real thing, and this is really happening, uh, I jumped at the chance to do it again because I wanted to prove to myself, you know, that I could do it and that I could, you know, plan maybe a little more efficiently and a little more effectively than I did on the first one where I was a first-time promoter. So, we had, you know, what I think is probably one of the biggest wrestling conventions ever in Las Vegas for StarCast 2 and took over Caesars Palace and, and had everybody under the sun and a lot of really cool stuff. And then, you know, I knew when I signed up to do two that I would do three as well uh, because they told me going in, hey, we're going to do two big pay-per-views and here's what they're going to be and when they're going to be. So I locked down the same hotel we used for StarCast 1 and it was a great success and, and by far the easiest one and just very very easy compared to the first two logistically because at that point i had a little bit of for lack of a better word muscle memory of what we need and how to run these things uh, so you know when they came to me and, and sarcast three and said hey we're going to do a fourth one we're going to announce full gear at the pay-per-view this is what it looks like i got busy trying to figure out you know what venue could this be what could a theme be and somehow i came up with staying in the red white and blue as being a unique attraction and the way i come to these ideas is Hey, what would get me on a plane from Huntsville to go do this? Sure. And seeing in the red, white, and blue, that would do it. Jim Crockett, for the first time ever, that would do it. And uh, I'm, I'm uniquely qualified because I'm a wrestling fan. And I think sometimes wrestling promoters or, or the wrestlers themselves, it's been so long since they were just a fan that they don't really know what fans will have an appetite for. You know, they sort of lose sight of it. And I have not because I'm still actively – participating in the wrestling space as a consumer i'm buying stuff and yes i'm selling stuff too but but i'm, I'm still a collector and i still go to shows and i still watch the product and i enjoy it i don't just watch it to critique it like i actually like the product so i i felt like we had a good idea with starcast 4 and so here we are but as i'm talking to you now there's not a fifth one on the books i don't know if or when i mean of course they are but i don't know when AEW is running another pay-per-view but I don't have another like set plan of, hey, I'm running on this date at this time. It's got to be the right idea, and and, and it's got to be the right, um, the right situation because I want to piggyback at one of their events. That's obviously the proven success sure. that we've had so far. But it's just a matter now of when is the next one, and and what's what's a good idea that would get me as a fan to fly there to see it. Yeah, I love the attitude. You mentioned Las Vegas and the second StarCast. It's from the outside looking in, it seemed like that one was a little challenging. Um, as far as some, you know, cancellations and some people and some, some, uh, stuff, uh, legally happening. I don't know how much you could talk about it, but if you can at all, talk to me about, about that journey a little bit. No, not, not a little challenging, very challenging. You lose your headliner the week of, you know, Rick got hospitalized. So we had sort of, hung our head on the roast of Ric Flair as being our, our big hallmark event. And we had a bunch of celebrities lined up for that. So that was a major curveball. But, I mean, who could have predicted, you know, that Rick would, would need some sort of emergency surgery? And I'm glad he's okay, and that was most important. But, no, that was not in the plan at all. And when we first announced that we were going to be doing StarCast in Las Vegas, I knew I wanted to do a handful of things. One – I wanted to get The Undertaker because he had never made an appearance like that, and we got him. And then, of course, you know the story. WWE swooped in, signed him to a new, bigger contract. He had to cancel anything that looked like that as a result. 
So uh, I guess I need an agent's commission on that, Mr. Callaway, if you're listening. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, then the the roaster eclair, which nobody had ever done before, and you know, just seems like a home run idea. Uh, and then I had, you know, I knew I had Kobashi, and I knew I had Taz, and I knew I had Tom McGee, and I knew I had that tape, and all of that was like new, never before done stuff because Taz doesn't do personal appearances, and Tom McGee had never surfaced, and that tape was the talk of the wrestling business, and of course. WWE beat me to the punch on airing that, but this was the first time you got to see Tom and Brett together. So we still had a lot of really, really cool stuff. And it was the first time we had Brett Hart and the first time we had um, uh, Sting. So it was a really, really fun and special event. And uh, I'm glad we were able to pull it off. How, how does the conversation go when you, you know, you're promoting The Undertaker as the first appearance of, of its kind outside of WWE? And then, and I'm assuming you have a, a signed agreement with them. I don't know if you get into that. And then all of a sudden you find out, uh, that things have changed. Uh, was, did, was, was WWE sympathetic at all or, or, uh, was it just business? Yeah, they were sympathetic. You know, they offered a couple of different replacement opportunities, and we had conversations about what a make good would look like. And then in the end, you know, it was just best to leave well enough alone and and just move on and use it as a learning experience. That's what we did. There you go. Hey, speaking of WWE, uh, obviously when AEW started and, you know, you had mentioned you didn't see that coming, uh, but they started and they, they got on prime time, obviously, as we all know. And uh, at some point, I'm assuming that WWE uh, decided to see you at comp- as competition and limited, I don't want to say totally, but limited uh, talent that had their affiliation. How difficult has that been? And did you kind of see that coming with the whole AEW thing? Yes and no. I mean, you know, I don't think – I mean, they haven't pulled any other talent with the exception of Kurt Angle, and I think the reason they pulled Kurt in hindsight is because we had Cody announce him. I don't. I wonder, you know, if had, had Cody not announced him and instead the official account announced him, if that would have made a difference. You know, that's probably my only tactical error in that. I think the Undertaker thing is something that's just so near and dear – to Vince McMahon's heart. He just doesn't want it associated with any other wrestling anything. So if he wants to go do a card show here or there, maybe that's okay. But the idea that there may be a wrestling-themed thing and it's not WWE and he's the Undertaker, I can see how Vince wouldn't want his quote-unquote creation to do that. So I think that one's a little different as a result. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised when I heard that he was taking appearances. I was shocked that it had gotten that far. Uh, so, you know, I, I was thinking the same thing. But uh, I guess they, they, they let that one go and had to correct it. And I'm sure it cost them more money than if they had addressed it at the, the beginning. But that's the way the business is. Uh, curious, how does one book RoboCop? You call it like RoboCop's agent? Uh, no, it's funny that you say that, you know, we wanted to find, you know, the best RoboCop that we could. And obviously the original RoboCop is Peter Weller. Uh, but Peter Weller doesn't make appearances like this. And even when he books them, uh, the rumor and innuendo is he no shows about half the time. But most importantly, he doesn't have the RoboCop costume. Uh. Secondly, uh, nobody supposedly, nobody knows, uh, who did the RoboCop at Capital Combat and no one I talked to. And um, everyone sort of freestyled that whoever it was had the outfit on loan. So we found what we believe is the most authentic RoboCop possible. And I just wanted to have, you know, between them and the Ding Dongs and the Yeti and the Shockmaster, let's have some fun with this. And 
I think it will be a tremendous time for wrestling fans who grew up in that era. I agree. You mentioned this uh, earlier, but how, how excited are you to explore the Crockett family story, uh, which really is one of those stories that is a huge wrestling piece of history, but because they don't really talk about it, it doesn't get told their, their side of the story very often. Yeah, you're exactly right. No, I'm excited to do it. You know, we've, we've not ever um, heard from Jim, and the idea that we get to hear from Jim is a really, really big deal, and I think it's probably the most historically significant panel we've ever done uh, at StarCast because, you know, Jim's 75. You know, he's never done this before, and at 75, I don't know how many more he's going to do. So it is special. It's so special that, you know, Dave Meltzer's trying to catch a flight out just for this panel. I don't think he's going to be able to stick around to go to the show, and that's obviously a big weekend for wrestling. You've got to cover the New Japan show, and there's so many promotions running that weekend. So I don't, I don't think that that historical significance is lost on anybody. But if we've got Meltzer there and we've got, you know, Dave uh, or Bruce Mitchell there and we've got uh, Dick Bourne, then you've got really the three biggest um, names and, and historians in the history of Jim Crockett promotion. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to it. Any chance of a Crockett podcast? No, I don't think so. I don't know that that's really those guys' speed, and, and honestly, I'm fine with that. I'd love to hear David tell some stories because uh, uh, he, he definitely, uh, when he I was working for WCW uh, under Eric, definitely uh, they had some, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it softly and say disagreements, but uh, I never know. That might be an interesting take, just uh, food for thought. So, sure. Uh, as we tape this, AEW Dynamite uh, and uh, NXT aired last night. Uh, I, I watched Dynamite. I watched some of NXT. I don't know if you get to watch NXT at all. Um, what, were you, what are your thoughts overall on AEWs and their their uh, uh, debut, their execution, their, their and their show that they're putting on each and every Wednesday? No, I love it. You know, it's 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 fun. It's a point of television. It has a big big time feel, and I don't know why, but there is uh, this magnetism to it that even my non hardcore wrestling fan friends are watching it and they're asking me questions about it. And you know, we've thrown a couple of sort of nitro style parties at my house in the in the home theater, and you know, people really, you know, as we're going back and forth, they just have more of a connection with the AEW show. And of course, as soon as AEW's over, we flip right over to NXT and catch the end of the main event and then check out what we missed during the show. But it's fun. It's reminiscent to the late 90s where you had to pick and you're flipping back and forth. And I think that nostalgia has really worked because it feels like it's not just something you're being forced to sort of plod through. And I, I know when, when these shows run unopposed, and I'm not taking a shot at WWE, whether it was Impact or it was any wrestling show, there would be parts of something you didn't like and you just felt like, well, I'm committed. I got to just hang in here. But now it's like, oh, I don't like this guy. Just hit previous on your phone or, I mean, on your remote and boom, you're back to NXT or you're back to AEW. So the, if you don't like the segment you're in, no big deal. I mean, I think last night there was a, a Finn Balor promo where he's explaining why he's a bad guy now and it's sort of a work shoot promo and that's head to head with the ladies of AEW well if you're not a Finn Balor guy and you really like women's wrestling you've got a choice or if you don't really like women's wrestling and you're not emotionally attached to those characters and you want to know what Finn's doing then you know you flip over there so I think 
that sort of freedom and the the idea that you have options is what's most attractive. I still can't figure out who the and I haven't put much thought into it. It's probably right in front of me, but I still haven't figured out who the the guy with the new mask that he had to put over two months ago was that he referred to. Any idea? Uh, oh, fiend, oh the fiend! I got you, Jim. I got that's why I got my uh, my boss here, Jerry, and and you were right on top of it too. That's right. I kept thinking like Rey Mysterio did he wrestle when new mask, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm digging AEW. It's funny that you say that fans that aren't friends that aren't wrestling fans are are into it. My youngest son, my oldest son's been a fan for a while, but my youngest son who never had any interest in it. Um, Watches it each and every week and is always asking me, hey, you know, if they come locally, could, could you take me? And super into it. And I, 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 I realized when um, I realized yesterday when uh, uh, they did the little computer uh, video thing on Kenny Omega, why he likes it so much, because he's really into computer games and anime and a lot of the uh attitude of that show uh, for lack of a better word is geared towards those type of uh, millennial fans yeah listen it's a fun time to be a fan and i think there's just enough nostalgia on both shows where you know there's something for everybody and i like you know we haven't talked about it but i really like the presentation that the nwa is doing on their show on youtube you know, it's it's definitely different. It's getting some people some attention. It's I'm I'm, I'm looking to try to get an interview with Billy Corgan and uh, and 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 uh, I haven't heard back for sure yet uh, on that show. But that's a facet. You know, it's funny. It's great you bring that up, and we haven't talked about that on this show. Um, on this podcast that's a fascinating topic they went i mean it's hard these days to resist ring announcements entrance music you know even in the in the studio days of uh, towards the end in the 80s you had the freebirds with music you had uh different people coming out to music not everybody it wasn't a staple so to be able to resist uh, the, the, the temptation of having a ring announcer, having music and, and, and just doing it old school like that. Uh, they took a huge risk because everybody, everything that has happened in the modern professional wrestling in the last 10, 15 years has been total opposite of what they did, but they took a risk and I think it worked out a thousand percent and I give them huge credit for it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a, uh, finally, do you have an official position within all elite wrestling? No, of course not. Had to ask. Hey, Conrad, uh, looking forward to uh, seeing the uh, – I'm going to uh, do my best to tune into the uh, the Jim Crockett family story this weekend. Uh, and want to remind everybody, if you can't get to Baltimore for StarCast 4, uh, you can see it on Fight TV. I don't know if you want to tell, them a little, tell the fans a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. If you pre-order StarCast 4 before we start next Friday – uh, then you can go ahead and get Starcast one, two, and three included. That's something crazy, like a hundred wow. hours of content. Wow! So it's a, it's a lot of value for your for your money at Starcast on Fight dot com, and Fight is spelled F I T E, and there's two R's in Starcast. But if you go to Starcast dot com and use promo code ARN A R N, you can also get fifty percent off of your meet and greet. So it becomes a very affordable opportunity for you to meet Sting or Jim Crockett or the Shockmaster or the Great Muda or any of your favorites from AEW, from the Young Bucks to Cody Rhodes to Jungle Boy and the Lucha Express. Whatever you're looking for, whether it's the Lucha or Jurassic Express, the Lucha Bros or John Moxley, it's all there. Starcast.com, two R's in Starcast, and use that promo code R and save yourself a boatload of cash. 
I'm glad I asked you. I didn't realize that deal from Fight TV. That's huge. And, and once you buy that, you keep it. You have access to it forever, correct? That's exactly right. It's HD. It'll be streamed live, and you get unlimited replays, uh, video on demand for life. That's awesome. That's a great deal. I would, uh, I'm going to look into that myself. I'm not just blowing smoke. Hey, uh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And keep enjoying Arn. Uh, I hope at some point to be able to get him on the podcast, but I know his, his, his top priority now is, is his work with you. And, um, and I just want you to keep enjoying him. I got the honor and pleasure of being able to spend a lot of time with him. And, and I'm a little bit of me is jealous, but more than that, uh, I'm, I'm happy for you. You're a good guy and you get to spend, uh, a uh, couple hours a week uh, talking to one of the, the funniest, uh, uh, well-spoken men in the history of professional wrestling. So enjoy that. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Good luck on StarCast. Thank you for dropping by, and um, and, and we'll stay in touch. All right. Sounds good, man. Thank okay. you, sir. want to thank Conrad Thompson. Interesting conversation about his uh, podcast and interesting conversation about the challenges of StarCast, the past ones, and um, what he's looking forward to this week, uh, this weekend. So uh, if you're going to be in Baltimore, uh, go by the uh, Baltimore Airport Marriott, go into Champions and have a drink and <laughs> cheers me. That was my Baltimore home away from home, uh, pretty much always. And... Um, uh, some fun stuff happened in that uh, in that uh, Champions Bar that maybe someday uh, we could get some guests on to talk about. Speaking of Arn Anderson, but I digress. Uh, but yeah, great stuff. And um, have to go back. Uh, I will say, irritated, travel weary Jr. is fun. if you want, just pick and choose stuff. After you listen to this podcast, uh, uh, that's that's fun, and and anything Arn Anderson is is absolutely spot on. So I definitely recommend those, and definitely recommend City Ringside. So if you know any friends or fellow countrymen or brothers in arms that uh, that th- you think might like this show, be sure to tell them to uh, check it out. Drops each and every Monday on all platforms, and you could easily subscribe. And you get it every week, every Monday, right there. I don't know. It's like magic. Uh, it's it's technology, techno, technological magic, I tell you. So, uh, so help spread the word. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope to have uh, just as good in November as uh, we did in October. And in that case, speaking of that, uh, we are trying to line up some uh, pretty cool guests, including uh, the current may not be after this weekend but the current as we record this um all elite wrestling champion chris jericho and that's going to happen sometime before the end of the year and also looking to talk to Britt baker uh in the coming weeks and in our continuing whatever happened to series i'm looking forward to uh possibly whatever happened to wildcat chris harris Dot, dot, dot. That's ellipses. That ellipses now is now. Nobody will ever call it a dot, dot, dot now, Jerry. It'll always be an ellipses. I turned on the TV today. I turned on a news channel. I must have heard the two news channels. I must have heard the word ellipses 40 times. So that that now is now. Now people don't know what an ambersand is. You know what an ambersand is? Like the little. Yeah. So now people will. But I don't know what they call it. You could call it dot, dot, dot. But I don't know what you call an ambersand. An and sign. As a matter of fact, 
Uh, I don't even want to go there. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for uh, joining the ride this week and each and every other each and every week. Uh, I'd love to hear your opinions on what we talked about early in the show on uh, Lesnar and Cain Velasquez finish and uh, the AEW show, the good, the bad, and there was no ugly, so we don't want to hear about that. At David Penzer, all one word, at Penzer ringside. I think I'm still hovering at like twenty nine ninety nine here, so uh, I did have one person say I was the third to 3,000, so somebody out there was paying attention, and I appreciate you uh, playing along. So still trying to hit 3,000. Sometimes it's like 3,001. Then the next day it's 2,000. I don't know how it works. Uh, but uh, I'd like to hit 3,000. And enough of that. Until next time, this is David Penzer saying thank you, and I'm still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Morning Show is back. Hi, it's MJ. Join me along with Froggy and Fester. We're going to bring you up to speed on what's been happening since our last show. We'll even reveal never-before-heard stories from the past, including some infamous controversies. This is the great MJ Morning Show that you remember. With regular new episodes, we'll even have some of the crazy cast of characters on, like Dave the Dwarf and more. The all-new MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, and RadioInfluence.com.